Now, things have been heating up lately. And not just on the thermometer. Things are getting really interesting for the church here in Southern California. As of this past weekend, Calvary Chapel Downey and Pastor Jeff Johnson were cited by the L.A. County Health Authority for multiple violations of the restrictions that have been placed on the church by Gavin Newsom. Pastor Rob McCoy of Godspeak Calvary Chapel in Newberry Park, California, was fined $3,000 and basically said, do it again and more fines are coming. Pastors all over the state of California received notification from various health departments that if they show up at church today, they're going to be awarded with a pair of silver bracelets and hauled off to jail. Now, we need to remember, Gavin Newsom is not the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. And it's him that we obey. And listen, obviously, as we've talked about in time past, we need to be conscious of the health issues and the pandemic that is going on around us. But there is a line, and it has been crossed. And therefore, we side with God we side with the Word of God, and we side in these last times with the truths of His Word. Now, because it's hot, I want to just give you a little piece of info. The FET, the venue we're meeting in, that so graciously have opened this place for us, sent the seat cushions out for cleaning, and hopefully they'll be back next week. And that is the second reason for a short sermon this morning. A hard seat, hot weather, we'll be out of here in about 30 minutes, and don't you say amen. So... Therefore, we need an abbreviated introduction to our topic this morning. We're still, because of what's going on with our state and with the church, we need to continue to be stirred up to love and good works. Amen? Amen. And so we're going to continue that process this morning. And I'm going to ask you to give me a little creative liberty, so to speak, as we address our text. But here's our introduction. Three sets of verses. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 52. Paul says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, meaning die, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1-4, Paul told the church at Thessaloniki, But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in the darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. And then a promise to the church in Philadelphia in the seven letters in Revelation 2 and 3. 3.10 says, Because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. The rapture is going to happen suddenly, Amen. without notice. Just all of a sudden, boom, we're going to be out of here. And we're going to put on immortal incorruptibility. And Paul describes the timing of it as in a twinkling of an eye. Now, we're not going to be here for the tribulation. That's worth more than that. We're not going to be here for the tribulation. Amen? But we recognize there are signs that are going to be fulfilled during the tribulation that are happening right now. And therefore, the rapture is even at the door, though we don't know the day or the hour. I believe the last trumpet signaling the end of the church age is about to sound and will be with the Lord. Now, here's where the creative liberty comes in. Because we're going to be 
taken and snatched away off the surface of the earth, that means we're going on a trip. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're going on a trip. Well, I will say, it is to the Father's house. We are going to travel light, and it's going to be better than any trip we have ever taken. But as is true with any trip, the closer the trip gets, there are always a few of these, and here's our title this morning, Last-Minute Preparations. Last-Minute Preparations is our title this morning, and since the last days began 2,000 years ago, according to Scripture, we might well say that we're not just in the last days, we're in the last minutes of church history. And the good thing about this trip is you don't have to pack, but you do have to be ready. And the trip, good news too, it's already paid for. And you won't be more tired when it's over because it never ends. <laughs> and since it never ends, this just keeps getting better and better. Since it never ends, you won't have to go back to work when it's over and wish you were still on the trip. I thought that would get a response. So three things I want to share with you this morning about preparing for the season of church history that we are now living in as a day is fast approaching where in the moment and twinkling of an eye, we'll go home. Now, let's pray together as we continue. Father, we are thankful for our opportunity to worship you this morning. We thank you for the hope that we have of the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, whom we will meet in the air to forever be with him. So we give you thanks this morning. Prepare us for the days in which we now live. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Now, because of the season we're in, because of the things I announced at the beginning concerning what's happening with some of our sister churches, and uh, remembering there's only one church, yep. right? You don't have to be a Calvary Chapel to be a good church. Where did you go? You don't have to be a Calvary Chapel to be a good church, right? I think Calvary's are good churches, but there's other wonderful churches out there, and they are under attack. And this tells us this. Here's the first of three things we need to be prepared for in times such as these. Listen, things are going to get way worse than way better forever. Things are going to get way worse and then way better forever. Now, we have mentioned in previous messages, we should never stop praying for the United States of America. We should continue to pray for a great awakening in our country. We should continue to pray for a revival within the church of Jesus Christ in our country and around the world because we are here to rescue perishing souls toward, uh, from death. Now, we also need to recognize that most of what the Bible says about the last days, particularly the last of the last days, is negative. Things are going to continue to get worse. They are going to continue to get more and more difficult. And Jesus told the church again at Philadelphia, Behold, I am coming quickly in Revelation 3.11. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Now, the word crown there is the Greek word stephanos, and it refers to a victor's crown. It would be the reward of someone who had won their event in the Greek games. And therefore, in the context of Jesus' statement, it is talking about Christian rewards. And the fact that Jesus mentions it tells us there are going to be efforts especially in the last days, to get Christians to stop doing the things that they will be rewarded for. Is there an attack on the church today? Yes. Are we being told we shouldn't assemble? Yes. 
all these things are happening, and now pastors are getting fined, threatened with arrest. Uh, Don had said that, uh, Don Stewart had said that Pastor Jeff Johnson is carrying with him two days of his daily medications because he expects them to pop the uh, bracelets on him at any time when they're at church together, maybe even today. And what a strange thing for us to be thinking about in times such as these. And yet James 1.12 tells us, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved or tested, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Listen, we don't have to worry about losing the crown of life. It is given to us by faith, through the grace of God. And nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. No one can snatch us from the Father's hand. And our salvation is secure in Christ Jesus. Now, in the last minute of church history, we need to be prepared for continued and increased assaults on the church trying to get us to stop the things that we have been called to do. Not just in America, but I would say especially here in California. Now in Matthew 24, 12 to 14, in the Olivet Discourse, Jesus said, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. In other words, lawlessness is going to begin to abound, and yet it's not the end. Things will continue to get worse, and then as the gospel is preached by an angel flying through the midheaven during the tribulation, then the end will come, because all of the world will have heard the gospel through this angelic messenger. Now, if you were here last week, I told you about a crazy lady Terry and I encountered on one of our morning walks who uh, yelled at Terry, cussed her out, flipped her off with both hands, and called her just hideous names, all because Terry did not accommodate her violation of the rules. Well, we saw her again. Only this time, she was on the right side of the road, but as soon as she saw us, she turned around and started walking in the same direction as we were going, only she slowed down, hoping that we would catch up or even pass her. And as we were cautiously drawing near, we looked in her left hand, and she had a big can of pepper spray. She was getting ready to zap us with that pepper spray. So fortunately, we came to a split in the road. She went one way. We went the other, but they both led to the parking lot, and we walked by on the perimeter of the parking lot, and she had opened the lid of her, uh, the rear of her car and was sitting there with pepper spray in hand, getting ready to spray Terry as we walked by, all because Terry didn't bow to her violation of the rules, because she is of an entitlement mentality, and I share that with you for this reason. Are people losing a normal courtesy and affection and general love for one another? Is lawlessness abounding in these days? Come on, I gave you a good story to get a yes answer out of you. Now things are going to get worse. And boom, then they're going to get better. And they'll be better forever. Now, Jesus told his disciples at the Last Supper in John 14, 1 to 3, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In other words, what he was saying is, as Jews, you believe in the Father, you should believe the same things about the Son. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And then Jesus says, and if I go to prepare a place for you, it's so I can come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may also be. Now, the single Greek word translated into the phrase, let not, 
actually means absolute denial in the sense of making something stop. So in other words, Jesus told his disciples in a very troubling hour, stop letting your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe the same way in me. Maybe there's some who are troubled today. Maybe some are overwhelmed by what's going on in our world. And the directive of the Lord for you and I is stop letting your heart be troubled because we're going home soon. The Lord is coming for us and the signs all around us tell us we need to be looking up because our redemption is nigh. Now, here's the second on our list of last minute preparations. Again, just a mental reminder of where we are in the grand scheme of things. Listen, in the last minutes of church history, the church will become more needed, but less wanted. The church will become more needed, but less wanted. Now, there's always been those who wanted nothing to do with the church. We even look back at the beginning of the church and our studies in the book of Acts and how Paul was always on the run, how the church was being persecuted and sought to be snuffed out in its infancy. But in light of the fact that Jesus mentioned this aspect concerning the last days indicates like all the other sorrows of the last days, these things are going to increase in a birth pang-like progression until they reach this point. Matthew 24, 9 to 10, Jesus said, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be defended, will offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Now, this is going to reach its zenith against Israel during the tribulation, but is it developing now? Do people hate the church now? Is there a growing animosity towards Israel and the church in the days in which we now live? Of course there is. And we know from Revelation that this group that is killed is going to be a numberless multitude from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people during the tribulation. And the hatred of the Jews is also going to be manifested during that time. Now, as I've said, I don't know how far the Lord's going to let things go. I hope he comes for us soon. I hope he comes for us before this message is over, and don't you say amen to that either. But I do know he's coming. And I do know we won't see the great tribulation, but we will in this life have tribulation, and we need to recognize we are needed now more than ever, yet we are wanted now less than ever. And when Jesus said they deliver you up to the tribulation, or, or tribulation, that can also be translated as anguish, affliction, or persecution. And Paul told Timothy, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And even with the understanding and recognition where things are headed, the most important thing about our point is not that we're unwanted, but that we are desperately needed. We alone have been given the responsibility and commission by God himself to go to the world and preach the gospel. Can you be saved without Jesus? Can people be saved without hearing the gospel? Who's called to preach it? You and I are the ones whom the Lord has called to preach it. And listen, we need to remember Jesus said, like in the days of Noah, so shall it be before the Son of Man returns. And in Noah's day, people were indifferent to the signs of impending judgment, just like they are today. But listen, Noah didn't stop preaching because his message wasn't popular. He preached until the day shut the door of the ark or the Lord shut the door of the ark and the rain began to fall. Now, we're living in days like Noah, 
We're living in a country that in many ways is like Sodom and Gomorrah in a time where the lust of uncleanness, which is one of the phrases used to describe Sodom and Gomorrah, is rampant as is the despising of authority. Do we stop preaching righteousness? No. We keep preaching Christ and him crucified. As I mentioned a moment ago, like Paul said in Romans, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? You know who the preachers are? All of us. God didn't say go send the pastors to the world to preach the gospel. He said all of you go to preach the gospel to the world, making disciples of all nations. Now listen. In my own lifetime, in my 35 some odd years, I said some odd, you know, there's some latitude there. I remember when church buses used to roll through all the neighborhoods picking up kids whose parents didn't go to church. You know why? Because people who didn't go to church realized, you know what, there's value in the church. There's a moral standard I want my kids to learn. And maybe the parents didn't go, but they thought, I want my kids to hear this. Well, you know what's happened today? The church has been deemed as non-essential. And they're trying to close it because it's unnecessary and the risk reward factor just doesn't bear out opening the church according to Gavin Nuisance. Now, is God still saving souls today? Yes. He is still saving people in the last minutes of church history and he's using his church as the vehicle by which he is doing so. Now, one last thing. And as I said, we got a shorty today because it's getting hotter by the moment. Listen, I, I've told you in time past, I'll repeat it again today, uh, you know what a homily is? Yeah. A homily, by definition, is a short sermon. I've never known anything about homilies until we started meeting outside and it was 85 degrees. <laughs> but we're having homilies here in these recent days. Now, here's the last thing, and let me give you a word of encouragement as the thermometer uh, is rising. Listen this morning. Who needs to hear something good? Yes. Listen, the closer we get to our departure, the more expectant and excited we should be. The closer we get to our departure, the more expectant and excited we should be. I mean, think about our word picture or analogy this morning. Have you ever noticed that when you're getting ready to go on vacation or you have a great trip lying out in front of you, the closer you get to it, the more you think about it. And everything becomes consumed by where you're about to go. Life's problems seem to get smaller, at least for the moment. Things at work and pressures in life seem to become less important because you realize, I'm getting out of here soon, and I'm going to get a break from all this stuff soon. And listen, things are going to get worse and way better forever, and it's the way better forever that we need to focus on, even as we continue to preach Christ and Him crucified to a world that doesn't want to hear our message. Now, we're not to be fools during this weird season, obviously, and we need to be careful about what's going on health-wise, but we also need to remember, as Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7, that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Amen? Amen? Now, in the context of our time this morning and our subject, we don't need to fear that our trip is going to be canceled. Jesus is coming for us. It won't be postponed because things aren't going well on earth. No stay-at-home order is going to thwart the rapture of the church or the church being restricted in gatherings cannot cancel our upcoming travel plans. 
Now, we may be more needed but less wanted in these last days, but the Father wants us in His house, and Jesus is coming to get us. Now, the one thing we haven't mentioned or focused on as we wrap things up this morning, when we leave on our trip, we're actually going home. We're actually going to where it is we belong because of the blood of Christ. It will be like getting rescued from a desert island and taken to a beautiful paradise where we will be forever and ever. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Now, Abraham was said that he waited for a city whose builder and maker was God. Well, every city has a name, and the city he was waiting for is called the New Jerusalem. And that's where we're going on our trip, if you were wondering. Let me tell you a couple things about it. In Revelation 21, 1-4, John said he saw heaven, a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Listen, it just keeps getting better. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. That's where we're going. Now, in Revelation 21, 9 to 12, John speaks of one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues. He came and talked to John and said, let me show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Then he says, her light, the light of the city was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates, 12 angels at the gates, and the names of them, names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Then verse 18 says, the construction of its wall was jasper. The city was pure gold like clear glass. Then 2121 says, and 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was one pearl, and the city was of pure gold like transparent glass. And then 22 to 27 says, But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple, and the glory of God eliminated it. Not even a helicopter taken off can diminish the glory of where we're going. Amen? Now, anybody getting excited for our trip? It's getting close. And therefore, it ought to be what's consuming our thoughts, that we are going to be taken home soon. It won't be long now. Lawlessness is abounding. Natural love and affection is waning. Ethnic tensions are rising. International strife is brewing. Unprecedented geological and atmospheric events are increasing. Pestilences are abounding. And all that tells us is Jesus is coming to get us soon. So, one last thing. This, I think, is my second or third last thing. But this might be the last, last thing, maybe. The last thing we need to remember is that this trip is so expensive that you can't pay for it yourself. Amen. It has to be paid for in blood. Not yours, but blood that is better 
than the sacrifices of bulls and goats. The blood of Jesus himself is the only way to pay for this trip. Now, there are, uh, uh, the Bible says in Revelation that there's going to be in chapter uh, seven, or six rather, there's going to be a numberless multitude, a, a multitude of people that no man could number from every tribe, tongue, nation of people that are going to be saved during the tribulation. But then later we find out that all those who are saved in the tribulation have their head lopped off by the Antichrist and those who worship him. So listen, I hope you're not counting on getting saved during the tribulation. I say just skip the whole tribulation thing, come to Jesus right now if you don't know him, and be taken in a moment in a twinkling of an eye when he comes for the church and we meet him in the air and are forever with him. Jesus is coming to take us to the Father's house and we will be with him forevermore. And the only way to be ready for the journey is to have his blood cover our sin. So I hope you're ready. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 24, 44, therefore you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour. You do not expect him. If you're not ready, you can get ready right here, right now. Amen. Pray with me, please. Father, we are grateful for your matchless word. We thank you, Lord, that throughout the course of history, Lord, before your son came, there were those who by faith were having righteousness placed into their account as we see the testimony of Abraham. We thank you, Lord, that throughout the church age that you have been saving people by faith. For you said in your word that without faith it is impossible to please you, that he who comes to you must believe that you are and that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And Lord, we thank you that during the tribulation you're still going to be saving souls, proving again that you are unwilling that any should perish but desire that all would come to repentance. So listen, if you're here this morning and you're not sure if you're going to be taken when the Lord comes for his church, and you might think that's a rather bizarre concept, but not when you consider the opening stanza of the Bible. It simply says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And listen, if God can create the heavens and the earth in six days and take the seventh day off, he can certainly come get his people and take them to the Father's house in a moment and twinkling of an eye. If you don't believe that can happen, your God's not big enough. The God of the Bible is able, and he can make that happen. But it happens through belief and trust in him, that he is the only means of salvation that has ever been offered by God to this world. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior and Lord, you need to make sure that you know him and that your eternal destiny is secure through him because there's no other way to heaven. The Bible says, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved, according to Acts 4.12. John 1.12 says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become sons and daughters of God. And you have to be God's child to enter into heaven. The world likes to say we're all God's children. No, we're not. We're all products of God's initial creative process. But the fact is we have to be adopted into God's family and become his children through faith in Jesus Christ. So if your interest is in having your sin forgiven, your eternal destiny being heaven and never being separated from God again and being taken in a moment and twinkling of an eye, with the rest of the church to forever be with the Lord. Make that decision today. Don't let another moment get by. Make sure that you're ready for that moment when that last trumpet at the end of the church age sounds because you don't want to risk surviving the tribulation period. Come to Jesus today. And if you're of that mindset and have decided the evidence has weighed itself out and it's a worthy decision to follow after Christ and trust him as Lord and Savior, you can do something like this. In the quietness of your heart right now, just say, Lord Jesus, I agree with you that I'm a sinner.
and therefore I need a Savior. I believe that you are the only Savior, and I trust my salvation into your loving hands. I believe that your sin, your blood paid my sin debt, and that because of you, I can spend eternity in heaven. So I accept your offer of salvation and commit my life to you from this day forward in Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that in your heart, admit it sincerely, and God can save you right where you are. So I encourage you, if you haven't done so, just do that right now. And Father, we are grateful for your love for us. We thank you that you told your disciples in a very dark hour, the darkest hour of their lives, when you had already told them that you're getting ready to be murdered for something you didn't do. You told them, stop letting your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. I'm going because I'm going to prepare a place for you so I can come again and get you and bring you to my Father's house so where I am, you can be also. Lord, we thank you for that blessed hope. And help us, Lord, to keep our eyes on the prize, our minds and hearts fixed on you in these ever-darkening days, knowing you told us they were going to get bad and continue to get worse, and then the end will come. And we thank you, Lord, for these information uh, that you have provided for us to give us hope during times such as these. And I pray for any who made the decision to follow after you on this very day. Lord, I pray that you would protect them and strengthen them and that they would legitimately become followers of Christ. We give you thanks on this very hot day that this is as hot as it's going to get for us in this life. And we thank you that the place we're going is beautiful and beyond human words' ability to describe. So we bless you. We honor you. Come get us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.